It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Katie Bella Show. I'm your host, Katrina Butlett, aka Katie Bella. 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 Good evening, good evening. It's Monday, February 16th, 2015. Welcome to the Kitty Bella Show. Please go to the webpage at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Kitty Bella Show and check out our upcoming episodes as well as our podcast interviews that are on demand 24-7. The beauty in podcasts is that you don't need to spend your time viewing a program. You can listen to the Kitty Bella Show while doing laundry, going for a walk, working out, getting out of your head while trying to study for final exams, and while driving with a hands-free device, of course. Please go to our Facebook page, The Kitty Bella Show, and like our page, please. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at TweetTrina, the number four, L-Y-F-E. Also, please utilize social media during the show. If you like something you hear, if you want to make a comment, please do so utilizing a hashtag, The Kitty Bella Show. If via social media is not your chief, you join us via telephonic instruments at 347-237-4756. All we ask is that you're in a quiet place with your volume up. We will be taking questions tonight. You can listen to the show from the telephone as well as ask questions to myself and tonight's guest. This is a groundbreaking new show on Blog Talk Radio. We will discuss all kinds of issues here, from the mundane to the serious, and go beyond the sensational issues, and discuss the real issues that occur in trans folk lives. We will discuss all aspects of my guest lives. We are so much more than our genitalia. Many of us have persevered despite daily oppression. Trans folk are everywhere. Our lives matter. The fact is I'm not even supposed to be here, a black trans woman producing and hosting a radio program online. So for me, just being in this space is an act of revolution. But how do we push the agenda forward? How do we continuously elevate the conversation and steer towards issues of importance or not? Tonight's show will feature speaker, actor, writer, advocate, Kingston Barardi of Oakland, California. Kingston is a rising voice and figure in the transgender rights movement. He's a trailblazer 
hailed for publicly proclaiming his trans identity on the Real World Explosion, San Francisco Episode 7, and playing the critically acclaimed lead role in legendary queer director Cheryl Dunier's 2014 short film, Black is Blue. Join us as we discuss his experiences navigating the media and performance world. We will also chat about the trans narrative and how we can continue to amplify it. He's also, Kingston's also big on healthy eating and fitness, and we will find out some of his workout secrets. Right, keep that body in shape. And we'll find out how he does keep that body looking so fine. Al, call in. Let's talk. 347-237-4756. So what's the key? This has been an amazing week of transformation and manifesting destiny. I have to share that Kitty Bella has been making many behind-the-scenes changes to help get this shit popping off. And let me just be the first to say that they are popping. The beauty of everything for me right now is that I feel more empowered than ever. I have been trained and taught to work, 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 and never to live, live, live. Why is that? We as a black community can't take time off from working and hustling to just be. Time to explore what drives you, what makes you happy. That is one of my biggest, like, pet peeves in America is that we work too damn hard. Fuck what this hypocritical Republican Party has to say. I have worked uh, in, in this international environment for over a decade now in civil service. And let me be the first to say that. Over in Europe, oh, my God, these locals are living life. They come here for vacation, and they just live it up. They come in talking about, oh, well, today I'm going to go to New York City for five days and then Miami for four days and then flying to Vegas for four more and then going to drive up and down the California coast and then go home. So, you know, after me, like, giving them, like, the what the fuck meme, like, I'm like, what is it that you do again in Europe? And they're like, oh, I'm a bartender. And I'm just like, wow. WTF, like, here you are, a bartender, able to take four-week vacation time and travel the world and have coins. What the fuck, America? Wake up. So glad tonight we will focus on healing tonight and self-love, and that's some of the things that I think we definitely need to talk more about. And so I'm happy that Kingston is joining us tonight to talk about these things. We need more of it in America. Why everybody's so damn stressed. I just want to share, like, what an amazing time I had last Thursday at NYU for the Do All Black Lives Matter panel talk. Thank you to NYU and Charlie Perusi of the LGBT division for assuring the night's success. Yes, y'all, a panel that includes two trans women of color, as well as our lovely moderator, Lord Ashley Hunter. It was simply amazing. Thank you to all who showed out, including Joshua Allen, uh, Joel Loomis, also shout out to Terrell Starr, Zelamani, and Tanisha Ford for supporting us all. Janisha Gabriel, love you, girl. Writer, actor, speaker, and advocate for the rights of the transgender men, particularly transgender men of color, Kingston is a modern-day Renaissance man. Born in the often overlooked North Shore of Boston, Massachusetts, but early millennium transplant to the beautiful East Bay of Northern California, Kingston has traveled a long way in search of truth, 
freedom and self-realization. A natural-born writer, Kingston came onto the Bay Area scene as a spoken word artist. He co-produced such LGBTQI events as Fat Tuesdays, Burning Bush, and Sister Fire, Milk College Stop. He helped rebuild and then direct the nonprofit organization, Young Women United for Oakland, and sat on Almeda County's Sexually Exploited Minors Network. Guys, please give a warm Kitty Bella Show welcome to actor, advocate, Kingston Friday. Kingston, hello. Are you there? I am. Hey, Katrina. Hi. How are you? Welcome to the Kitty Bella Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Amazing. How are you doing tonight, I'm doing I'm doing quite well. I definitely cannot complain. Um, how is everything in the Bay? The last time I saw you was when I made my first trip to California uh, last month. That's right. The Bay is beautiful, I have to say. And I almost feel bad saying that because so much of my family is in Boston dealing with this blizzard, and we're sitting here in Oakland with 70-degree weather and enjoying the sunshine. So I do have to say that it is gorgeous over here right now. Right. So, like, I'm totally jealous now. Like, you're just, like, totally, like, rubbing it in. (laughs) See, my East Coast people, I feel terrible saying that, but... Exactly, exactly. So you're originally from uh, Boston, is, is, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I was uh, born and raised in the north shore of Boston, um, born in a small town called Lowell, Massachusetts, actually. Wow. And and um, so is, how is it that you got to uh, get to Oakland? Uh, it was a, a long, long journey, but um, I eventually landed here and attended Mills College and stayed since, so it's been just about 15 years, and uh, Oakland has kept me. Absolutely. I know when uh, I was in Oakland uh, back we're in, this is where so last month, yeah. Um mm-hmm. and we broadcasted live from the Trans headquarters and had Dr. Courtney Ziegler. Uh, I know yes. Courtney talked a lot about the community out there in Oakland and it being a very strong representation of queer um and people of color. Uh, can you just talk about the Oakland community? Um Absolutely. the vibrancy of it. Yes. It's, like Courtney really touched on that and it was just like for me, like, I was just like, yes, um, yes, tell me about Oakland. Tell our, our listeners who don't know, you know, a lot of our youth um, who yeah. are listening. Oakland is one of those places that I feel like a lot of queer people of color come to to seek uh, solace from um, difficult lives in other areas, places where they grew up. It's a little bit of a queer, people of color mecca, I would say. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like nothing I had ever experienced 
um, coming from Boston. And once I once I got here, there was just a community that definitely accepted just any 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 type of identity within the the, the queer community, within the people of color community, and allowed for myself and I think allows for queer people in general to um, explore their own identities and grow and develop. Um, yeah, I feel like it's it's one of those places where people come of age almost and come into their queerness and into their um, just various identities. Can you talk about, like, the importance of that and, like, really what that really means? Because as a trans person, um, and you know uh, as a trans man, but especially, you know, I know as a trans woman that um, that's not always the case. Uh, we especially see you with, like, these high-profile cases, like even with this obsession with, like, Bruce Jenner and and this media fascination uh, with the whole story of transition. Like, like, what does that mean to you as a trans person to be able to have that kind of uh, environment? It means it, it offers a lot of freedom. First of all, um, for example, growing up where I grew up in the North Shore, and you know, I I rep where I grew up. I love where I grew up. I'm thankful that I was born there. And there are so many issues because there isn't um, the type of resources that the Bay Area has, or the type of community that the Bay Area has to really claim and hold and represent queer people of color and when you don't have that, you are forced to suppress your identity even more than we are, we have to every single day. Um, and when you suppress your identity and you're not able to live um, out who you are on a daily basis, that, that it leads to depression. It leads to stress. It leads to unhappiness. It doesn't allow you to live a fulfilled life or makes it very challenging to do that. Um, and so I think that's that's one of the main things is I don't have to suppress my identity as much here as I would in other regions of this country. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Um, you know? Kingston, you talk about, um, I mean, can you talk about your uh, MTV Real World appearance? Um, mm. I watched the the episode and found mm-hmm. it so dope. I had uh, never really watched the episode. I don't know, like, I guess, like, during that time, like, of course, when I was younger, we all watched, you know, the real world. But, of course, like many right. of us, as so many came out, like, I specifically definitely lost interest as I uh, delved into my own transition. <laughs> so right. um right. I didn't uh, really know too much about it until, you know, uh, learning about uh, a lot of your work. And so I saw a few interesting things surface during that show. So my first mm-hmm. question for you, Kingston, is can you tell our audience how did that come about, you being on the show? And secondly, if you can tell our listeners, um, what made you be, like, the, the only lone person? Uh, what do you think it is? that, uh, why you were the only one to share your truth on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, talk about a uh, scary experience leading up to um, that episode seven of the MTV Real World Explosion dropping. Um, but I got there because a friend of mine 
Coley was managing the star on the show, Ari Fitz. And Ari Fitz is kind of like a gender nonconforming uh, black queer lesbian. And she was mm-hmm. receiving all of this feedback from the country uh, that basically the country was misrepresenting her as being trans. And she was receiving all this uh, commentary on her social networks that, you know, she's she's transgender, she's this, she's that, and she doesn't identify as transgender. She's not transgender. And having to confront that commentary, I think she began to, or her own um, blocks began to be revealed around uh, what she did know about the trans community and what she didn't know about the trans mm-hmm. community. And I think some of her internalized transphobia began to surface. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to deal with that in the best way that she know, knew how. And so she thought to have her queer friends, including um, me as a trans man, come on the show to talk about um, her experience and the experience of trans people and to kind of shed light around, you know, whether it was transphobic that she was having feelings come up around people calling her trans and also just to shed light on, like, what the identity, the trans identity actually is and is not. And um, it was terrifying because it's it's reality TV, right? And right. MTV, particularly real world, right. is historically a place that, you know, is looking for shock media, shock value media. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it was terrifying to go on, but I agreed because I was like, look, there are so many people like me, the kid, me as a child growing up and only having something like Real World to watch. You know, I thought about those people who were, were watching Real World and who were queer and who were trans and who were of color and how they don't have resources to other media, um, being able to see someone like me and someone like some my friends come on there, even if it was for a 30-second segment. I thought, you know, looking back at my younger self, had I seen this crew of queer uh, and trans people of color come on the real world, that would have been important to me. That would have meant something to me, um, just to see that image. So... I decided to do it, and we went on. And what's interesting is that it was actually about a four, four-and-a-half-hour um, window where we were taping, and then they spliced that into less than a 30-second segment. And it, it's too bad because the segment, one, doesn't really make sense, but also isn't representative of everything that we were discussing in those four hours, four-and-a-half hours, you know. Um, still, I just, I went back to the fact that it, to me, was important for the image of myself and my queer friends to be on this very mainstream um, TV show where 2 million viewers were going to watch. You know, and most of those viewers are, like, between the ages of, like, 13 and probably 17, you know? So to me that was important, and that's ultimately what led me there and ultimately what made me feel okay about that segment dropping. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And <clears throat> I'm sure that must have been quite an experience for you, um, having to go on. But can you talk about, like, um, that was so interesting for me to have that part where it was, like, they mentioned, like, you were the only one, like, to self-identify. And I just thought that was kind of dope in a way. I was kind of like, you know, everyone, like, the team, the rest of the team was sort of like, you know, like, it's none of your business. Like, what am I identifying as? And I kind of looked mm-hmm. like, Al, <laughs> can you just talk mm-hmm. about, like, some of the, the, like, really good things to come out of that experience, especially in terms of gender determination for um, gender nonconforming people? Like, I think that that's um, pretty dope, uh, what you guys were able to accomplish in that little bit of uh, uh, episode. Thank you. Well, I think the first thing to, to speak on, um, that moment that you picked up on where, you know, basically I was the only one to talk about my identity and how I identify, it speaks to this larger issue within society, right, where trans people, where we're, we're always um, looked at as responsible for telling the world about our identity because somehow if we don't, we're being uh, deceiving, Right. And we're somehow deceiving society if we don't share with them our, right. you know, their identity, right? And so, it that that moment that you're talking about is 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 interesting because it does speak to that larger issue, right? Where it's like that episode was really about gender identity, but the only gender identity that was talked about um, and was publicized was my gender identity, really, and a little bit of Ari's. But um, mm-hmm. I just I I think that that's again just just speaks to this larger issue of forcing or trying to force trying to uh, police trans people really and their and their and our 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 identities. Um, but I guess the the part two can you, can you speak a little bit more about what you picked up on, um, with what you thought about all the genders everybody being there, all the different identities? I thought that was was dope. I thought that that was um, important that that visibility was there. And I think it was important that those questions were asked. And Mm -hmm. um, the fact that we don't have the answers, it's also fine, too, and I think that that was something I picked up on as well, was um, the fact that, um, what's your friend's name? The person in the episode was... Ari, Ari, uh, Ari was still questioning what they were trying to figure out for themselves, and like for me, like that, yeah. that was that was so authentic and real. Like Ari didn't have the answers, and a lot of times right. um, we don't. You know, all we right. know is that we we, we want to live, and this is how we choose to identify. We feel comfortable wearing this type of clothes or that type of clothing, right. and so for me, that was um, that was very uh, that was very. Uh, you know, uh, that was a good thing to see. Um, and then it's show. huge because I, I wish that they were able to capture some of the other conversations that we had because one of the main conversations that we had with the entire group of real worlders was um, about the difference between uh, uh, masculinity and femininity and male and female, so like biology versus identity. And it's something that a lot of people just aren't aware that there are differences be- between these things. And we talked about how, you know, 
our choice to identify in certain ways is not that different than a cis person's choice to do certain things in their lives. For example, there was, I can't remember his name now, but one of the um, cis men on Real World, he liked to um, pluck his eyebrows, which is socially considered um, a feminine trait, right, or a feminine uh, beauty regimen or whatever. And he used that example to explain how there are parts of him that are feminine, even though he identifies as a heterosexual cis man, you know. And so we just had right. this larger conversation that began to look at the ways in which we don't all fit into one box neatly, you know, how none of us can really subscribe to um, the social or gender binaries that are set up for us, you know. And I, and I wish that that conversation could have also been shared with the world because it was, it was pretty profound, you know, and it, and it was a big deal because we were, were all very, very different people coming from different places. Most of the people on Real World had never, from what they believed, never met a transgender person. Um, so it, it was powerful, you know. And, and, again, even though that stuff wasn't captured, I just I go back again to the power of imagery, you know, and to be able to show up as a black trans man, coming from where I come from, for my friends to show up as black and brown queer people, as feminine and, and masculine of center, um, to all show up on this, you know, mainstream TV show, even for that moment, you know, for viewers who um, are in our community but don't ever see images of themselves reflected on TV to, to have that moment. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, perspective on that, Kingston. Um, yeah. Kingston, on your website, oh, excuse me, actually, no, I didn't want to move on to that. I actually wanted to follow up, excuse me. Um, on that show, <clears throat> excuse me, you talk about your team, um, Rock and Oakland, and I just thought that was so awesome that you talked about a team. Um, we don't usually see that sort of, like, solidarity, you know, um, mm-hmm. When it comes mm-hmm. to our trans folks, to see someone say, like, name, name it, like, I have a team. Um, who is this team? It's <laughs> 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 like, who makes up your team? Who is this, like, who is this people? Uh, who are the oh people my gosh. that make up your team? <laughs> yeah, talk about it. These people, right, this is, this is my tribe. This is, this is my hashtag Damn. tribe life. <laughs> right, exactly. And they are definitely um, a cross-section of some amazing, amazing people, some powerful people. Um, on that show was Amaryllis De Jesus Molesky, who is also my partner, and she is um, a visual artist. Um, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. There was um, Cheney Turner, who was on that episode, and um, there – uh, masculine of center stud who does all event promotions throughout mm-hmm. um, the Bay Area. And uh, let's see, Chicken was on that episode. Chicken owns a Filipino restaurant out here in Oakland, um, brings Filipino soul food to the people. Um, Chris Freeman was on that episode. Chris Freeman is like a tech god out here. Um, and I'm so analog that I can't even begin to explain in the proper terms what <laughs> Chris's title would be. But they are definitely 
techie out here. Um, and who oh, else was on there? Yeah. I mean, Ari Fitz herself is, is pretty badass, and she, outside of having done that show, she creates um, horror films, which I think is really cool. Um, and I don't think I'm forgetting anybody else that was part of that team. But that team is really just a, a small cross-section of the larger tribe of people. And I think that's something that comes along with the Bay. The Bay is one of those places that just brings really phenomenal people together. You know, it has that type mm. of energy that draws and draws in people um, who have dreams and who aspire to reach their dreams. And I've, I, I'm just thankful. I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to cross paths with all of these really incredible people. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we have a few callers in the line, so I just want to shout out um, some of the callers who are listening in and possibly uh, looking to speak. So we see you guys. Thank you so much. Those of you on the line, I appreciate you calling in the Kitty Bella Show. Um so now what I wanted to ask you, Kingston, is on your website, kingstonpriority.com, you state, and I quote, if there's one thing I've learned, it's to never resist intuition. Resist reactionary behavior. Resist the ego. But don't deny yourself the power of intuitive awareness. I personally rely on intuition first, then analytical reasoning second. From the time of day, to knowing the very moment I would begin transitioning my gender. It has never led me astray, unquote. Kingston, that is so fucking powerful. Let me just be the first one to say. (laughs) Can you tell our listeners what exactly does that Fucking mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, thank you, thank you so much um, for for pulling that out. I, di- I didn't even see the quotes coming, so I appreciate right, that's that. My job. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, well, for for folks that know me, um, one thing that is important to me is is intuition and listening to myself and hearing myself, taking the time to hear that that voice that comes through us and tells us what steps we need to take in life. Um, often, and I think particularly for trans people, for people of color, for trans people of color, we're told that what we think is right is wrong. You know, we're told that all the time. That's the message that we receive, that our beliefs, our ideas, our decisions are wrong. They're incorrect, and they're even worse than that, right? Um, so, and that, and that can be farther from the truth, first of all. Each of us as spiritual beings living out this human experience are here with a mission, and we know what that mission is if we give ourselves the opportunity to hear it and listen to it and act on it. Um, so, so that's really what I'm talking about there is the importance of stopping and slowing down enough to hear the voice that comes up inside of me and tells me, you know, what, what I want to do, 
you know, what decisions I want to make, how I feel about something, um, whether, you know, something is right or wrong for me, you know, whether I should move forward with a project or whether that project isn't something that, you know, I really want to participate in. Um, Yeah, so it's just that internal knowing around what is the healthiest decision that I can make for myself. And that's where I go to first um, when it comes to to everything in my life. Um, And then after that, of course, I I am an analytical person, so I'll I'll go there and I'll begin to break it down from an analytical framework. But first and foremost is the heart, is the intuition, is is what is my heart telling me? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think that that's something as a trans person that like we don't um, rely enough on our intuition. We don't rely enough on our own. Uh, gut instincts of what we believe in. And, you know, we should do more investing in that. Um, and so that we can. So many right? of us. Because, mm-hmm. No, go ahead, hon. Go ahead. So I was just, and know that we, we can do that, right? That we can take the time to invest. Because I think so many of us are confronting trauma and confronting uh, and trying to survive so often that, like, most of our lives is reactionary. We're reacting to the ways that the outside world treats us. Um, and so to go along with what you're saying, like, taking this, figuring out how to, like, push back against that, you know, and just listen to ourselves, sit in ourselves. What are some things that you do to help uh, find that solace and peace? Um, what are some small things that you do um to carve out time for yourself, um, especially in this, like, social media-driven world. Um, what are some things you'd like? Even I was like, I'm going to ask you about this. Mm-hmm. When I was looking for, um, when I was doing promotion for the show, like, I noticed you wasn't on Facebook. I was like, oh, you don't do Facebook. And it's like, mm, is that strategic? Like, what is that? Like, you know, so, like, to me, yeah. like, talk to us about that. Yeah, it's it's been strategic. I'm not the best social networker, and part of that is because I don't like to be consumed. And for me, mm. it can become consuming and um, and overwhelming and stressful. So <laughs> not being right. on Facebook was definitely um, a, it was strategic. It was definitely a choice that I made in a way for me to allow myself a little bit more time outside of um, the online world, the virtual world. And it's it's important, you know, I'm so thankful for social networking because it's allowed for opportunities like this, right, for us to be here having Absolutely. this conversation um, and to share it with a, an audience of people, you know. Um, and at the same time, not being on every single network available allows for me to to fill that time with other things. Um and some of the right. other things that I that I do to um just find peace of mind is is working out is a huge one for me. I, I love any type of like physical exertion, exercise that is high on my list of um important ways to maintain uh my emotional and, and mental peace. Um and in meditation, 
is another important one to me. Having just quiet time where I'm not um, using my mind uh, for anything, where I'm just allowing it to rest. And that's also a great way to begin to develop the intuitive voice, right? When you allow yourself to, to rest and not focus on reading or writing or social networking or talking to other people or cleaning or whatever else we do to distract ourselves, um, we can begin to hear our own internal knowledge and our own internal voice um, come up and talk to us. Absolutely. I think that's so important um, to really uh, be able to do those things. I know that um, I've been able to focus on a lot more things and uh, control my social media at the same time. Because I think it's so, with all these uh, violent uh, murders and attacks, especially on our trans women of color, it, it, it becomes mm. almost traumatizing when you right. come on social media and all, all you see is people posting about another trans woman murder, another murder, mm. um, another form of discrimination, another person misgendered. And so sometimes that could be, like, traumatizing. And so oh. um, I just wonder how do we, as a community, like, set time uh, to acknowledge and, and speak up and continue to use social media for the good that it can be, but at the same time, making sure that, like, we are definitely, like, um, practicing self-care and, and realizing that, you know, we also don't have to uh, uh, always be everything and, and, and for everyone. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, exactly, sister. And it's so it's so real, right? It's important that we're having these conversations online and we're being able to share information that otherwise doesn't get spread around, right? Like the rate of trans women of color that are being murdered this year, that were murdered last year, that are murdered every year, that information wasn't able to be spread around the country the way that it is now um, because we have social network to connect. So that that's powerful. Information sharing is powerful. And you're absolutely right. The emotions are transferable. Right, so when we're not careful, we start to pick up all of all of the tragedy. It's just like watching the news on TV. Um, we start to pick up uh, all of those really negative, heavy emotions, and it can be hard to let go of that once we're off of the social off of social networks. Um, it's so real. And I, another way that I I deal with that is I don't have push notifications come to my phone. Um, so right. I choose when check my social networks. I don't have my phone blow up with, you know, notifications from my social networks of when someone hits me up or likes something or comments on something. I yeah, choose yeah, when I get I'm going to check. I don't, man, I yeah, don't know how people, people do it. <laughs> no, and then you get these people who, like, you know, say, like, you answer social media whenever you want. So it'll be, like, 2 in the morning. And you'll get these people like, oh, my God, like, why did you respond to that 2 in the morning? Like, that woke me up. Um, How about right. you not, like, have your notifications on at all like, it's because so I'm not gonna real. Think, oh, wait a minute! Somebody's not up. I can't send that. Like, who does that? Right, right, right. right. I don't know how. I don't know how people do it. And I, I, I mean, props to them because for me, that I'm not even a high anxiety person, but that would give me anxiety. <laughs> you know, right? It would just be too much. And it, honestly, even more than that, it would be a distraction. It'd be hard for me to get anything done that I wanted to get done because I would just be so distracted by that, you know, that little buzz or the little notification ringing that 
I'd, I'd want to answer it immediately, you know. And then that would, my entire day would be spent answering notifications. So, yeah, I just that's a, it's just another way to kind of set up a boundary to give myself more time and space, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So I would like to take a phone call. How does that sound, Kingston? That's great. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right. That is as I'm looking for. Okay. Let's see. The last four (laughs) is uh, 9815. 9815. Good evening. You're on the Kitty Bella Show. Hi, sweetheart. Um, You tagged me, so I just was listening to the show. You know, I support my sister. You know. This is Lala. What's the up? The lovely Lala. Yes. How yes. are you? How are Thank you? you so much for calling in. Oh, of course. Um, I'm okay. Did you know, have a... I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Did baby. you have a word for Kingston? Did you want to say something to Kingston or? Um, uh, I mean, myself? one thing that I felt like that just is like really important, and it's just the fact that we have. Um, you know, men in the forefront or men telling their stories or men sharing their stories because even for me growing up, they were hidden, so we didn't, like, hear their mm-hmm. stories or see them. So I feel like that is important because we have so many young men that are coming up, you know, behind him. So it's important for them to have someone to look up to or to, you know, have that face to say, you know, I want to be like this person because, you know, we don't have many role models in our community. A lot of times we have to look through TV or Google or, you know, sometimes sister and people, and we try to frame ourselves um, like sister and people and we're not. So it's nice um, for this generation to have actual trans people as, you know, role models or as just models, as I like to call them, you know, a model of, you know, what the possibilities of my life could be or, you know, because, I didn't have that. You know, I'm an old girl, so my whole life was trial and error. But, you know, this generation has models, and to me that's very important, something that's a privilege for youth, and they need to utilize that privilege that they have. Absolutely. Um, Lala, can you just tell – I never. I know you call Inge. Lala is a frequent uh, contributor, uh, supporter of the Kitty Bella Show Kingston. So I just want to acknowledge Love her you. support. Thank you so much, Lala, for always uh, being there. Um, and, and I just I'm curious because I never I never heard you talk about this, and we're talking about this tonight with Kingston in terms of mm-hmm. self care and healing and love tonight. And I just like mm-hmm. to hear some of your thoughts on healing and some of the things that you do um, to really like center Lala again. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Well, like right now, currently I'm on vacation, and like, um, right. you know, that's a good way to start. And can, yeah, and as you know, it's a train wreck at my job. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah. Vacation is awesome. <laughs> and so, um, you know, on my job, I do, I'm a community organizer, so I do a lot of the rapid incident responses around these incidents. So, the beginning of the year, was, like, really hard for me back to back to back with, you know, my fallen sisters, rest and power my sisters. So I went to Creating Shades for a week, and it was so empowering to be doing work with my sisters and my brothers and then to come home to get another incident. So I was like, you know what, I need to take a week off. I need to step back. 
I need to self-care. I need to, you know, reflect on myself. And so, like, I shut off my email. My social media is limited to a certain extent, you know, because I do have, you know, family and things. There's certain things that sometimes you just want to go talk to them on Facebook. But, like, I'm limited to that. I don't want to talk about work. I'm just really in tune to myself, just, you know, by myself, being lazy, watching movies, hanging out with people that are not really doing the work that I'm doing, just hanging out with people I haven't seen in a while, some of my cisgender friends, hanging out with family members I have not seen in a while, just to keep me distracted and just to show me the good, that that there is still good in the world, you know, and that, mm-hmm, that fuels mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. you know, and give me that hope that things can change because, you know, doing the work that I do, all I do with is, you know, survivors of violence all day, all day, all day, all day, all day, all day. Right, right, so I right. So I have to train myself at times like when I make phone calls and I have to call people's parents and I have to do certain stuff like that to cut off certain sides of me just so I can deal with that. Because if I don't, then I hold that, you know, even though, you know, I'm a trans woman, these are my sisters, there's certain parts, like I do, I know I pray and have my own form of, solidarity with my community and friends, but it's like certain parts I have to just cut off because if I allow myself to completely go into that emotion, then I'm going to be reliving that trauma and picking up that trauma, and it's causing me to be paranoid and not want to leave my house and looking around, like, all these things that are anxious. So I have to, like, I've learned to, like, meditate and cut things off and say no when I need to say no and say, hey, at work, this is really heavy for me right now. Like, can somebody else take rapid incident response for, like, the next couple of days because I need a break. I need to reflect and recharge myself because it's hard. And it's something that you have to learn to do. You have to just try different techniques. So when I talk to other people that deal with trauma, they're like, girl, try this, or I try to, you know, channel my energy in different things, my body, my body, and my spirit, because you have to recharge all of them, because without all three of them, you're still going to be a dead battery. So it's just like a practice, but I'm trying all different kind of things. But self-care for me is always making sure that I'm taking care of my mind, my body, and my spirit, because all them components need each other, but... That's what I do. Absolutely. Kingston, can you, like, talk about that? Like, the importance sometimes as trans folk of saying no, um, I think that that sometimes is so hard, right? It is. It is. And I love what Lala had to say about kind of going off the grid a little bit, right, to recharge. And to me, that's um, that is the importance of also saying no, right? We need the ability to recharge because when we're, steady putting out so much of our energy towards all of these important projects, um, we're draining ourselves. And there gets to a, a point where we're burnt out. And before we get to burnout, we, we it's, it's critical that we take a step back, say no to additional work, unplug some of our stuff, and just allow our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our spirits to charge back up so that we can go into our work renewed and strong and able to really help because what we want to do is is help other people and help our community. But if we can't help ourselves, then we're not going to be able to help our community. You know, so we really have to be in a place um, on an individual basis where we're strong, we're healthy, we're good, and we're able to take care of ourselves so that we can step into the community and we can 
offer the same type of support and strength to our people. Absolutely. Um, Thank you so yeah. much, Lala, for calling in. Here you are always. Oh, this is a part of my self care. Listen to the Kitty Betty, Kitty Betty song, honey. You know, nobody. I'm hey. coming from work. I'm waiting all day. I had to set my timer to remind me to watch the show. So that's part of my self care tonight. Yes. Yes, that was it. Right. And Thank on you. that note. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much, Lala, for calling in. Um, Kingston, can you talk to us? You were in a film last year uh, titled Black is Blue. Can you talk to our listeners about that film? Um, what exactly the film is about? Um, and our, your experiences. Uh, with the film. Of course. Um, Black is Blue was is a film that was created by legendary queer director Cheryl Dunier. She produced um, the film Watermelon Woman, along with ten other uh, feature-length films that received a ton of attention throughout the world. Um, Black is Blue was her latest creation, and it's a story about a black uh, transgender security guard whose name is Black, and he is working um, security at this building in downtown Oakland. And it kind of follows, it's it's a short that follows uh, almost like a day in the life, Um, as well as this underlining love story between him and his ex-girlfriend, Deja, as in Deja Vu, who uh, he fell out with, broke up with, um, when he started to transition his gender. Um, In the film, you don't receive all of that information, but you get the nuances, and that's what Black is Blue is about. It's about the nuances of discrimination. It's about the nuances of repression and oppression. It's about um, the nuances of life that really impact all of us every single day. It's the things that go unseen but are felt so deeply and force us to act out in certain ways that sometimes we don't even know why we're acting that way. But it's it's those nuances beneath our experiences. And so the film does a a great job of really capturing um, those aspects of the main uh, character's life, black. and the the production, the creation of the film was just incredible. I mean, being able to work with Cheryl Dunier and producer Mark Schmalowitz, who is um, an Academy Award-nominated producer, just mm-hmm. really took my, my game up, my knowledge up, my experience, my professionalism, my ability. It just, it just took it up tenfold. Um, it allowed me to be in a space with people who have really mastered their creativity and are able to deliver in uh, really spectacular ways. And so having the opportunity to be in that environment um, was just beyond inspiring. Um, Yeah, I'm so grateful for it. A beautiful film. And it's still actually touring, too. People can look up uh, blackisbluefilm.com and check out the tour list because it's still going throughout the world. I know next month it's going to be in Australia, but I, it will be back in the States too, so people can check out and see whether it's going to be uh, showing in their state at all this this year. 
Absolutely. Can you, like, talk to us, our listeners, about what that meant for you? Like, you talk about that experience of sharing space with legendary film director Cheryl Dunier and also uh, some of the actors, like, as, like, a trans man who is also, like, pursuing his dream as an actor. Like, what did that, uh, what did what did this experience uh, mean for you? Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, um, at first, I'll say that I was afraid that it would mean I would get a lot of negative attention. I was afraid of being out in such a public way on that level. I I thought that I would receive a lot of criticism and negative pushback. Um, and that didn't end up being the case. Of course, there were moments where I received some uh, – kind of obnoxious commentary, but most of it was was really liberating for me. Um, It forced me to fall back in love with my own trans identity and my own blackness in order to play the role of this black trans character. Um, I had to figure out what black was feeling in certain moments. And, and in order to do that, I relied on my own experience. But that meant I had to go back to my own experiences, which are things that I hadn't necessarily revisited in a long time because I don't think trans people always have the opportunity to revisit all of our experiences because there are so many, you know, and it's, it's ongoing and right. we're constantly fighting and struggling. Um, but this allowed Absolutely. me an opportunity you know, and a space to, to go back, revisit experiences, and see how I had grown from them, see what I had learned from them. And I would say that was one of the greatest gifts of this experience. Besides having a, a film, a, a fiction film, uh, with a black transgender uh, man as the protagonist, as the main character, um, but for myself, just falling in love again with my own identity you know, and appreciating it and having gratitude for it. Mm, absolutely. Um, you say on your website also, uh, in terms of Black is Blue, um, people couldn't believe my performance in Black is Blue. They kept asking, have you acted before? Sometimes I have to laugh. As a black queer transgender man, much of my life has been about performance as a means mm. of survival. And I thought that was just like another powerful quote I take and bring into this space tonight. Can you just talk to our listeners about that? Absolutely. I mean, isn't it isn't it real? I feel like mm-hmm. so many different marginalized identities have to perform in order to survive in um, this society. You know, where we're on the margins because our identities aren't valued. But particularly for trans people and trans people of color. It comes down to uh, survival a lot of times. In order to survive in situations, we have to play certain roles and we have to make decisions that don't necessarily align with our spirit or our desire or our um, our want. You know, we have to uh, often step outside of that and placate to uh, a world around us, a culture around us that doesn't respect us and doesn't want us here, that wants us dead, um, that doesn't want to see us or hear us or 
believe that we can exist. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what. And and an, another actor in the film, Andre LeBlanc, really captured this at the end of the film too. He he spoke on how it's acting isn't that far of a departure from our everyday life. I believe that was the quote that he dropped at the end of the film too to really capture this idea. Um, and yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And I hope we're how about we true. A... <laughs> Say that again. I said I, I hope for it to be less true, and I feel like personally I get closer and closer to that being uh, lesser truth. But uh, in, in general, Absolutely. I think that's the reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's take a phone call. Um, if your last four is 7022, you are on the Kitty Bella Show, 7022. Hello, good evening. You're on the Kitty Bella Show. <laughs> Hello, Divine Ones. How are you? Hey. Hi. Is it Zane? Is it a fellow yeah. artist on the line? Is this Lady Zane? Yes. <laughs> yes. How Welcome are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Just on the bus back to D.C. from New York. Mm. Safe travels. Thank yes, yes. you. So I just wanted to just say really quickly that it's just so refreshing, this whole conversation, um, just from the, you know, the place of um, re reclaiming the fact that we were spiritual beings and we were honored and empowered in our indigenous uh, cultures from which we sprang um, is refreshing to, to talking about healing because so many of us um, sometimes don't get the privilege. It's a privilege to be able to heal. Uh, from from certain things that are happening, but so many of us sometimes are in survival mode, and so we don't get the time and the ability to be able to do that. Um, and just you know, to 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 what just you guys were talking about, um, just about uh, acting being uh, a spiritual, also a part of a, a spiritual practice. Um, I think that. It's very interesting um, thinking about the fact of, you know, the masquerade of of theatrics also um, illuminating and honoring uh, uh, the the ways in which we navigate uh, positionality within our societies um, and then also critiquing it as well. Um, uh, Because you can't have, you can't have the honoring without also understanding that uh, a fully embodied being has all parts of, 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 of good and, as they said, good and evil and all these things. And so we're constantly evolving. And I think that it's very interesting for me to think about the fact that gender performance um, within, within a realistic world is, always, is also always evolving. And so the rules are constantly changing. And how, um, for me... I believe that trans people um, are transcendent because we are able to tap into that part of divinity that is that is um, beyond the regulations of society. So that's just what I wanted to say. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you have some thoughts on that, um, Kingston? Don't um, don't don't go just yet, um, uh, Dean. I have okay. a follow-up question. 
Go ahead. I, I just love that. I think that that uh, was so well said and, and beautifully stated. Um, and I just would echo that. We are, I love, you said trans people are transcending of that, I guess, the gender binary in a lot of ways. And I just, I just echo that. I think it's absolutely true. And I think the hardships that we face um, have been given to us because we're the ones that are able to do it. We're the ones that are able to confront it and transcend beyond it and then offer that hybrid experience to the rest of the world. Ashe. Ashe. Absolutely. And I just find it, like, so interesting. Both of you guys are artists. So, like, I, I really want to know, like, how do you guys utilize art to heal? How is How has art helped you heal? as a trans person of color, um, whoever wants to go first. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I, ooh, okay, I guess for me, it's, um, you know, for me, it's yeah, just the for fact the that I would, Thank you so much. <laughs> right. Um, is that art has, um, ashe, right? Um, is that right. art for me um, has really taught me to be empowered in the fact that um, I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want, and I can be whoever I want. Um, and I, I kind of talked to you about this today, uh, Goddess Queen Sister. That you know, mm-hmm. I was seventeen. I was six, I was actually fifteen years old, and I took a hundred and fifty dollars of my own money, and I said, "I'm going to do a cabaret." And I paid my musicians like fifty dollars a piece, and we did a show, and we split the, the profits from the door. And um, I did that because I understood um, not only that this society. Um, was kind of structured, um, and not kind of, it was structured to not only um, to, to, to kill me every way possible, right, so to try to silence my voice, to try to um, make me believe um, the lies of the birth doctor, to um, make me believe the lies of the colonists. Um, and so I knew that through art, um, it was another way for me to tap into um, that the spirituality and the spiritual um, truth of, 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 of transness that, um, that colonization really tried to strip away from us. And so I could, within this space of art, literally do magic. And I could literally shift the atmosphere. Um, each time I, I get on stage and I do a cabaret, mm-hmm. I, um, I am shifting the, 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 the very um, air, that is witnessing what's happening, and I'm infusing the particles with um, change. I'll say. I'll say. And what I hear there is is it's about alchemy, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's an alchemical process that can occur through expressing ourselves in uh, creative platforms. And for myself, um, it's, you know, often I look at, I watch TV shows or film or look at certain visual uh, media and art, and I just don't see a representation of myself there. And I never, and I, I didn't growing up. And so for me, the healing process is being able to create, again, an image that uh, reflects my own identity and reflects the identity of my friend and my kinfolk and 
all of the the people that also don't really get to see themselves on on the screen or on on TV. Um, so filling that void because when we're not represented, you know, it, we're not valued. You know, we're forgotten. We're not we're not seen. Our stories aren't heard. And so you can't care about something that you don't know exists. And for me, there's a, there's a healing aspect of being able to bring our identities into existence through art. Absolutely. Ashay, thank you so much, Thane, for calling in. I always appreciate your perspective and your voice. And I just, I love you, Jess. Thank you. I love you both. Have a good one. Good. <laughs> yeah, so much love. You too. Yes, be safe. Safe travels, that is. Uh, Kingston, so I follow you on Instagram. And I know you post lots of photos. Exactly. You post lots of photos about fitness. Can you tell our audience yeah. why fitness is so important to your life? Uh, talk about alchemical processes. That's Fitness, for me, um, is such a transformative tool, and it's immediate. Um, mm. If you're feeling down or feeling uncomfortable or feeling any type of negative feeling, to go out and move your body in some ways helps to relieve those emotions because it's it's energetic, right? When we're when we're feeling depressed or angry or sad or any of these any of these negative emotions or hard emotions because I don't want to call them negative they're important, but any of these hard emotions, um, it's different energetic blocks or uh, our mind is focusing on just one type of energy. So to go out and move our bodies begins to um, work through that and and dissipate that energy so that we can balance ourselves again. So to me, it's just, it's transformative. And again, for trans bodies to be able to work out is um, transformative because our lives, so much of our lives we're told that our bodies are, are gross or are told that our bodies aren't good enough or they're ugly. Um, And so to be able to move those bodies and uh, feel those bodies, I think, allows us to to really claim ourselves and to be in ourselves and be comfortable, more comfortable with ourselves. Um, Yeah, so a transformative tool, definitely. Absolutely. And, like, even for me, like, I'm not going to, like, sit here with you and lie. Like, I'm not no big fitness buff like that. But, like, working out and being athletic has definitely been a a part of my life. Um, And I've noticed that when I worked out in the past, um, that it also, like, I also, like, feel like it's a good thing because we're putting all these chemicals into our body. We're putting all these hormones into our body. Some of us are. Um, those of us who choose to undergo uh, a hormone type of transition. And so for me, like, like, can you talk about that? Like, do, does that ever come up into your analysis in fitness in terms of just um, all of the things we put in our body as trans folk and how fitness actually can help us alleviate some of those uh, things? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um I mean, I can't necessarily come from a medical perspective, but... No, 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 of course um, not. Of course. From, 
but from my own experience, um, whether you're taking hormones or even just ingesting the chemicals that are put in so much of our food, the chemicals that are in our water, the chemicals that are in most of the products that we put on and inside of our bodies, um, working out allows us to uh, alleviate our bodies of those products a lot of a lot of the time, whether it's um, sweating it out or just processing it through our bloodstream, through our muscles. Um, but yeah, I do I do believe that it helps with uh, push our hormones, cycle our hormones through our body a little smoother. I mean, any way that we can make our body process more smoothly is going to help uh, support our hormones and the use of uh, hormone treatment. Absolutely. Um, can you tell any of some of your fitness, like, diet secrets that, like, that work for you that maybe uh, might work for some of our listeners? You know, we know Absolutely. I just want to also stipulate that Kingston is not a medical or a diet uh, expert, but um, he's just a person who has a passion, and uh, I think it's good sometimes to just talk about these things. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, the first thing that I believe in when it comes to working out is is creativity. Um, I hate all of the really uh, crazy diets that were being sold and that are marketed to us, um, a lot of the really, really crazy supplements that are marketed to us. I'm not into that type of um, – physical fitness or getting get, uh, attaining our physical fitness goals through those means. Um, those might work mm. for some people, but that, that's not where I go. I prefer um, to really evaluate what our blocks are to fitness because all of us have resistance when it comes to moving our bodies. And so mm-hmm. the first place is to really figure out, like, what types of resistance comes up when we're working out? What are the obstacles? What are the feelings that we feel when we're when we're working out? You know, what are the moments that feel really hard or feel like we want to give up or we want to stop? Because so much of working out is, is mental, and it's where we get to confront these um, different traumas within our bodies and work through them. Um, so the first thing is, is being creative and not getting caught up in an idea of what physical fitness is, but being able to... Mm just really evaluate where we are and what we want to do with our bodies, how we want to change them, what we want to see for ourselves and feel for ourselves. Um, the second is has to do with creativity too, and that's like the type of working out we want to do because we could, you can work out at home with no equipment at all, you know. Um, like I was going to ask you about that because, like, let's mm-hmm. also be realistic because for a trans person – it's not always necessarily um, beneficial, uh, you know, to work out in a gym or a public space. It's not always welcoming. There's discrimination that sometimes occur. So what would you say as a trans man who is into fitness, what would you say to even some of our trans women? Um, like what would you recommend in terms of a a workout that they could do um, where they don't feel, you know, where they can feel safe? Um, in terms of, I know, I'm sure, like, many of them would prefer to be in the safety of their own home as opposed to, like, Absolutely. I hate gyms. 
So for me, I don't want to right. go to the gym because I always feel commodified and objectified by men. And so for me, yeah. like, I don't need that gain on me. And so I like to work out in, in, in a more private space. And so can you just talk about that a little bit? Definitely. The The first thing that I suggest to anybody is, and it's, it's going to sound crazy, so I'll break it down. It won't sound that crazy, but I'll break down why it's important, is um, just very basic push-ups. Push-ups and sit-ups, and I know some people don't want to add muscle to their body, but mm-hmm. if you want to, let's say you want to cut weight, one way to cut weight is to build, is to do muscle strengthening moves. And it, it might be counterproductive because people might be like, well, I want to lose some weight, but I don't want to gain muscle, um, so I don't want to do any muscle exertion and, and build that up. But it's actually... It doesn't actually happen like that. To do uh, muscle-building moves will help to break down weight or just create core strength. And one of the best exercises that you can do at home is push-ups. And there are so many different types of push-ups that you can do. You know, so it's not even just a regular push-up, but you can, you know, change where your hands are when you're pushing up. You can change where your feet are. You can put your feet up on an incline. You can put your hands up on an incline. And you can really strengthen the core. If you worked on, let's say, three sets of 20 push-ups every single day, even if you did them at different points in the day, for a month, you would see noticeable changes in your body. And whatever the changes are that you want, whether it's just core strength, whether it's muscle building, whether it's weight loss, whatever the goal is, if you just did that at your house, and we're consistent with it, that would be one way to begin to feel noticeable changes. Absolutely. Oh, wow. I shade for all of that. Yes. Thank you for (laughs) fucking healthy living and fitness on a Kitty Bella show. Um. I think because that's something that we we talk a lot about the tragedies and we talk a lot about the murders. Yet again, another trans woman of color murdered again. Um, and I'm just like I, I've become very numb, unfortunately, for a lot of the violence because I just can't process it all. And so for me, it's good that we have these other outlets to talk about other aspects of our life because these are the things that we're you know you know that, that we're dealing with um, outside of the violence. Um, That's why I love this platform that you create on the Kitty Bella Show because I completely agree with you. It's it's important not only to talk about subjects outside of the trauma and um, almost the the genocide, but mm-hmm. to see that we're multidimensional, you know, as as a, as a people that our identities are multidimensional. That they're not just you know about struggle, you know, that people are doing more than that, you know, and so it's, it's, I just love that you create this platform where, you know, folks like us can just come together and talk about the real struggle, the very real life experiences of trans people, and talk about um, all of the other aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. So true, so true. Um, one of my Last questions here. I know we're going to finish up in a couple of minutes. Um, can you talk about where you get such amazing self-love from, Kingston? It is 
so evident upon meeting you that you take pride in your life and yourself. Um, not everyone has that confidence. Not every trans man uh, of color particularly has that confidence. Um, like Goddess T.S. Madison said on my show a few weeks back, uh, there are lots of folks walking around with low self-esteem. And I was just I, when she said that, I was just like, wow, like, that's some real talk right there. So, Kingston, how do we capture that in a society that continuously erases us? How do we uh, encounter? Uh, 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 how do we uh, counter that narrative? Uh, where do you get this this this, this self love from? First, I would say, don't believe the hype. That is the first thing. Don't believe what this world is telling us about ourselves and about our identities. Mm-hmm. And I know that's easier said than done, but mm-hmm. it, it's really one of the most important things, in in my opinion, is just. We have to be a, a little bit more critical, you know, and not just so quick to accept and then try to fight, you know, because sometimes what happens is, you know, somebody says something that's degrading to us, and we react by trying to tell them all the reasons why that's not true. But when we're spending mm. our time trying to convince someone that what they said isn't true, in some way we've accepted it as true because now we're countering it. And sometimes I think it's important to just completely disregard what they're saying by being like, nope, bye, and go about our lives sometimes. Sometimes it's very important Mm. to go and deal with it. But sometimes we don't need to – and this is for me. On an individual basis, I'm not going to spend all my time engaging, exactly. I'm just not going to go there with – with those types of ideas all of the time because it's draining and it it doesn't it, it creates low self esteem because I walk away from that conversation and then I'm thinking about is there truth to that? Is there not truth to that? Did I correct them? Did I teach them? Did I not teach you know, and it's just then I'm in that space with them and my self esteem is is being hurt. You know? Um so one is just I just don't believe what the world says about me or about us um, in terms of our identities. Um, and I, it's, a, it's a hard one, but I think the second part, as I grew up with some really, really strong women, honestly, and um, my sisters and my mom who passed away has since passed, um, but those women, they really created something inside of me. They they gave me some type of strength where I do walk through the world and I think like if these women were able to make it against the odds that they were facing, then then I can also make it. I can do it too and I can do it in a way that where I'm happy, you know, like I can I can be happy. I can see this world as as an adventure and that I'm here to learn lessons and that everything's not going to be perfect and You know, in my case, being trans and black, sometimes they're going to be really, really hard, you know, and shitty. But I can still do my best to, like, go through this world and be thankful that I'm here. Um. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And uh, as an actor, I'm sure that that is definitely something you need, especially navigating that world of the the art and media. And so I just want to, like, ask you about that in terms of acting. Um, 
like who are some of your influences? Um, who do you look to um, in terms of um, artistic influence? Um, who are some of the people that that you uh, like to mirror your work from? Mm. Um, well, I get inspiration from a lot of different places, and I'm um, a writer first, so a lot of the possibility models that I look at are writers. Um, but some of my top are, are Maya Angelou, um, Octavia Butler. Those are two of my favorite writers who inspire me to be creative and to step outside of uh, my own confines to explore. Um, and then Laverne Cox, of course, is one of my possibility moments uh, in, in a more recent window of time. Um, but then I also get a lot of inspiration from the the people that I come across, like everyday people, and that's something that's always been true and I think will remain true is the people that I get to meet in my life, um, other artists, friends, partners, those are the people that uh, really inspire and spark my creativity. Um, hearing about other people's lives, hearing about other people's struggles, learning about people's strengths, learning about the ways in which people have um, have taught themselves how to overcome um, certain situations. Those are all of the things that uh, really inspire me. That's interesting. Um, I'm glad you brought up Laverne. Uh, I'm just curious, since I have you uh, on the show and you're being an actor and being part of the trans community, what are your thoughts in terms of acting role going to trans folks, uh, trans characters portraying, uh, trans actors portraying trans characters? What, what are your thoughts about that? Um, I know there was a lot mean, of controversy I... surrounding mm-hmm. that in terms of, you know, trans uh, trans America and all these other uh, shows that have come out now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the debate around cis people playing trans characters? Right, earlier. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think it's, it's I think it's too bad. I think it's it's, it's a shame. Um, most of the time, I I do think that there's always space for people to portray a role um, of a character that doesn't identify the way that they do in their actual life, right? Um, I think that's creative expression. There's room for that, but right now in this time. Um, I think it's important for trans people to play trans roles and for trans people to be hired to play trans roles and for trans people to um, get paid and be uh, included in this industry because the issue is less that cis people are playing trans roles and more that trans people are not invited into this industry. They're not included into the industry. They're not given jobs. They're not given uh, opportunity. You know what I'm saying? That's, That's my issue is that trans people are being rejected and denied an entrance into an industry. Um, you know, if trans people, if there were a legitimate number of successful trans actors and actresses, and then there were some roles that were being filled by cis people playing trans characters, that wouldn't be as big of a deal as there is one or two trans actors and actresses 
making their way into an industry, um, and then all of these other roles are being filled by cis people. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, can you tell our audience about some of the projects that you are working on right now and what's in store for Kingston Variety, the Renaissance Man? Where does that come from? <laughs> um, before we even go into your final uh, question here with your future projects, can you tell our audience where does that come from? The Renaissance Man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's just because <laughs> I uh, have my hands in so many different things. I am not, like, uh, I can never just do one thing, you know, like it's acting, writing, fitness. Like, I, I like to, I, I love to explore, you know. I love to experience. So uh, for me to live a happy life, I have to have my hands in a few different things, and I think that's what makes me a renaissance man, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, tell, tell our listeners some of the projects that are coming up for you. What are you working on? What's in store for Kingston Variety? Absolutely. The main thing for this year is um, getting my first novel published. I've been working on a uh, fiction novel called Divinity, and it's... Oh, work. It, it, uh, um, the protagonist is a two-spirited black boy. Um, he's, he's a trans boy, and it's set in this utopian future where identity has become obsolete. Um, my two-spirited protagonist, his name is Liberty, embarks on this dangerous quest for freedom. And through that quest, he uncovers uh, this magical book that professes his, his destiny to liberate humanity from a hidden reality. So it has uh, sci-fi elements, magical realism, elements of magical realism, and, um, and it, it, it should be really exciting. And a lot of fun. Yeah, and you said um, the character, the lead, is a trans male? Yes, black trans male. Oh, yep. my God. I think that yep. is so fucking dope. <laughs> no, I think it's so amazing that you're doing that. Um, Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm the too, Lady Dane who was on the phone earlier, uh, Kingston Lady Day, she's worked, uh, she just finished publishing her new book, Brew, and it's like, it's like I see, like, I see, now I'm starting to see, like, we're moving beyond this, like, basic narrative of trans people writing autobiographies and telling our stories and talking about tea. Yeah. And, like, we're actually, like, moving to, like, this nonfiction, like, world of, like, um, excuse me, fiction, fictional world of, like, actually, like, creating, like, these different, like, nuanced, like, characters and stuff. Like, can you talk about that? Oh, yes. I mean, it's 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 so real um, that we are finally receiving the opportunity and the space to step outside of the transitioning narrative, that very classic transitioning narrative, which served a purpose and which is important. Um, but now we get to, again, it goes back to being multidimensional, and we get to create these narratives where people that reflect us are playing 
the the lead. They're playing the the protagonist. They're playing the roles, and we get to read about um, characters who are confronting similar experiences that we have in real life um, that are having successes and victories and and upsets and obstacles. Um, And that, to me, is medicine, right, for the heart. You know, that's medicine for us to be able to find a book on a shelf that has a protagonist who is of color and trans and then to be able to sit back and be in that story and enjoy that story and have it be about, you know, magic and adventure and just all of these different interactions that a character has with other people in this, uh, for me, in this created utopia. Um, it's just, it's, I think it's huge. I think it's, it's really great. And we are seeing it in so many different areas. We're seeing it. Absolutely. To, um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I know I said that we were about to wrap up, but there is someone from the community and someone who is a youth who wants to talk to you. And so I just want to make sure, is that okay? I'm going to uh, bring this person through the line. Is that okay? Absolutely. And then when we finish absolutely. up with that call, I want you to go back yes. to your projects and then we can wrap up. <laughs> absolutely. Let's do it. Um, oh, yes. He said, let's do it. Come through, Taj. Yes, last four. Where are you? There are these seven things. There you go. Taj, hi. Hello. Are you on the line? Yes, Taj. Hi, how you doing? Hi, Kingston. Hi, kids. Hey, Taj. <laughs> how you doing? I'm fine. Um, I'm a, I just had a question. Like, I was listening, and, um, like, me being, like, well, I'm a young black trans man, but um, I'm also an artist and a writer at the same time, and, like, I was listening to you take, like, I... Like, I take my inspiration from the people around me, too, and stuff like that. But it's, like, it's so much going on in our community. Like, it it kind of, it clouds that. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, how do you work around that? Like, is when you see, when you see, like, people dying, trans women dying all the time, and then, and then you know, the the experiences trans men go through in, in their daily lives and stuff like that. It's like it's it's a constant struggle, but it's hard to drown that out sometimes. Like mm. and and really focus on your craft. Like, but it I don't know. I, I'm not too sure what my question is, but if you can get where I'm going. Yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. And absolutely. And just um just so Taj, you know Taj, when you get a chance. Please, when the show is over, listen to the podcast um, from the beginning because we did touch on this a little bit at the beginning. Kingston definitely talked about this a little bit, but I know you're coming okay. on um, late. I know that you just came on, and so you didn't hear that part of the discussion. But definitely we can reiterate it again. Um, Kingston, okay. uh, what are your thoughts? I think one thing, um, in addition to what we were talking about earlier, is the power in seeing the beauty that comes out of hardship and struggle, right? Because one thing about our people, um, both trans and of color, is that we figure out how to create beauty and how to create love in the midst of the most atrocious circumstances. So sometimes I, I try to figure out what is the light within this shadow, okay? So 
trans women we're we're losing our sisters left and right. They're being they're being murdered. And mm-hmm. when I read that it of course brings me into this place of, of sadness and this place of anger and this mm-hmm. place of resentment and all of these feelings come up around that uh real life experience and I have to see that their death wasn't just in vain. Their their life meant something, and what it meant is it brings us together. It brings mm-hmm. people together. It reminds people of love. And even if it's just within our community, because a lot of people aren't talking about our stories, aren't talking about that reality that trans women mm-hmm. are um, mm-hmm. but we are. And within that dialogue, we're talking about love. We're talking about self-care. We're talking about uh, we're just communing and we're coming together, and there's there's a beauty in that, and we and that's the beauty that sometimes I have to take away. You know, I, I acknowledge all of the other feelings that come up with that, and they're real mm-hmm. and they're hard to shed sometimes. But I guess for me, I try my best to like see that power that comes along with these just terrible circumstances. I feel you. You know, but it's it's hard, brother. It's 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 hard. It is really hard. Um, that's one part, and then the other part is more what we talked about earlier. Just sometimes we have to turn that off. You know, if it's if it's really impacting our abilities to be creative or do the work that we aspire to do, that we want to do, that mean mm-hmm. a lot to us, then we got to turn it off sometimes, and we have to step away and we have to take care of ourselves. And then once we're back on a path of, you know, strength and being able to focus on the things that we want to focus on, then we can turn our attention back to, you know, helping our communities in the ways that um that w- that we can. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. But right, it's it's hard, you. brother. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> of course, of course. And for me, I guess the other thing is is reading. You know, I, for me, I, I always find um, inspiration in the words of other people. You know, like someone like Maya Angelou, she has even just little quotes. You know, she has so many little mm-hmm. quotes that remind us to to feel love and to feel happiness and remind us that we're of value and remind us that we're important. So that's another place. If I if I'm feeling down or feeling caught up, then I'll just go to the places that I know are going to feed me um something positive. Uh, Absolutely. Todd, I know I'm go- I'm thank you so much for ushering in uh that topic into the conversation because it is very important and and these murders are just, you know, they're beyond out of control at this point. Um, but did you? I also want to make sure that you get in um, a question in terms of art because you are a fellow artist um, like Kingston. And was there something in terms of art that you wanted to ask him? Um, really, it's like as far as that, like my art. I feel like you know, like I got something to say. Like I, I got a message for the world, but. I don't know how to get mm. it out, and I'm trying to get it out there, but it seems like mm. my world, it's my community. So, 
So how does he get it out there? Maybe that's the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's a good question, and and I think first, um, no doubt, no doubt, you have a powerful story. I mean, being the person that you are uh, within our society at this time, you have something very, very important to share. First of all, um, second, I would say to continue working on that craft, um, whatever that craft is, just continue producing it. And then the third part is to just start sharing that in any way you can. That's where social network really comes in as um, as, as, a, as a great tool because you can share your work on social networks with people that wouldn't otherwise be able to access it. Um, so that's one way. Or just share with your community where you live. Share it with your friends, you know. Um, what is your medium again? Um, I write, and I also um, visual art, painting, drawing, sculpting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would say one thing would be to ask yourself, like, where do you want to share that work? You know, do you want, if you're a visual art, do you want it in a gallery? Do you want it in a museum? Do you want to sell it on a website? You know, ask yourself what platform you want to work off of. And then once you produce enough, if you want to work in a gallery, start pitching your portfolio to galleries that are in your region. Right. You know, and it'd just be you know writing up your pitch, putting together a portfolio, and emailing that out to as many people as you can. And eventually, there's going to be somebody that picks it up and is interested and willing to give you the opportunity. All right. You know? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Todd. Did you have any final words? Um, no, except for thank you. <laughs> that was like great advice. So, like, thanks. absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, yeah, thank you for so, so much for. Yes, like I love Todd. We love Todd here at the Bella Show. Todd is a huge supporter and uh, has always uh, been very much interested in what goes on in the show. That's so, can true. you just finish up? with what you were talking about in terms of the projects you were working on. Uh, I'm sorry I had cut you off when you were talking about um, your science fiction novel, but you can continue on um, from that point. You're so good, yeah. Um, really, that's that's my main project this year, and um working with um, – it's a agency called Move the Crowd, and J. Love Calderon in particular is my personal coach who – helps to uh, really get my uh, book pitch and everything together so that I can get it published. She she helps with that aspect of it. And so that's, that's my main focus for this year. Black is Blue continues to uh, tour the world, and so I will also continue doing work with the film, getting it out there and talking about uh, trans advocacy and um, – doing some public speaking events around uh, the film and and just our community. Um, but those are, those are the main things for this year. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Um, where can folks find you if they want to book you? Give out your, your social media link, your tweet. Go ahead. Do it all. Plug, plug, plug. Absolutely. 
You can find me on Kingston Faraday. That last name is F as in Frank, A-R-A-D as in David Y, dot com. Um, that's my personal website. You can find the film on blackisbluefilm.com. You can find me on Twitter at Kingston Faraday. You can find me on Instagram at Kingston Joseph. Uh, so definitely hit me up, even if it's just to, to chat. I love to meet people. I love uh, to talk and just yeah, rap. So please hit me up. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about um, just everything about your life and about what drives you and what makes you um, such the passionate man that you are. Thank you so much, Kingston, for coming on tonight. Ashley, thank you, sister. I love love this radio show. Um, it's such a pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me on. And your questions were bomb. <laughs> you are great at this. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so thank much you. For, for doing you. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, we're going to end the show tonight. Um, we have a little music. Why not? And so that's how we do on the Kitty Bella Show. And next week we'll be back with a whole new episode. Please go to our webpage at blogspotradio.com forward slash the Kitty Bella Show and check out our upcoming episodes. We have some exciting shows coming up in the next few weeks with some very fascinating guests. So definitely check that out. A lot of surprises in store and a lot of wonderful, exciting things headed uh, for the future of the Kitty Bella Show. Ashe. Let's end tonight with let's end with Coco Jones. Um, there's a lot of um messages on Twitter right now regarding another trans woman of color being murdered. And it's just the lack of empathy, um, even within our family circles, we're getting murdered by our own fathers. And so, like, things definitely need to change. And so I just love this song off of Coco's EP, Who's That Lady? It's called Why. Until next time, take care of each other, but more importantly, take care of yourself. Dignity. Why can't you just let me be me? Why, 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 why? Why did you go and stomp on me? Why can't you see the beauty in me? I still remember that fateful day When the blood ran down her face Someone said she had gone astray This is a pitiful state of the human race Why does something like this Even have to take place People stood around watching Like TV Laughing while she was dying And they wanted more to see No one saw that gentle heart That lay on the ground No one, no one Even made Why, 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 why
Did you step on my dignity? Oh, why? Why can't you just let me be me? Oh, my. Why? Why? Why?
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.